Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is sponsored by F1 TV Pro. The F1 season is starting up again and there are so many races on the horizon. So many tracks all over the world, so many podiums to try and secure, so much impending anxiety for my beloved Ferrari. We're going to win it this year, right guys? And with F1 TV Pro, you'll never miss a moment. It's completely ad-free and includes live feeds of every practice and qualifying session, F1 sprint events, Grand Prix, and exclusive behind-the-scenes content with driver onboard cameras, team radios and in-depth data. Even better, this year you can completely customise your race weekend around your schedule. With the new mobile-friendly design, you can get all the race action wherever you are in the world and across multiple devices. Whether you're watching on the go, settling in with popcorn to watch live, or you're looking for some more deep-dive content to keep you up to date through the week, F1 TV Pro has got you covered. Sign up today to F1 TV Pro for an unmissable 2024 season. everybody and welcome back to the P1 podcast with Matt and Tommy. Today, it's Hungarian Grand Prix chatter time. We're going to dive into the greatest race (laughs) any of us has ever seen for the first 10 metres. After that, five metres. It was great, wasn't it, Tommy? Yeah, it was definitely the definition of it's the hope that kills you. I think we even said that the races where you get really hyped over a grid sometimes under-deliver, and sometimes it's one you least expect are the bangers. Um, And this one, it had its moments, but it it definitely, it's not, it wasn't great to say the least. Certainly wasn't. Uh, Before we dive into everything that went on during the race, uh, we'd have to share a five-star review. If you want to leave a five-star review, please do. I think you can do it via Apple Podcasts and maybe some other audio platforms. I know you can only give a five-star on Spotify, but uh, if you want to leave it on one of the other ones where you can actually explain why, please do. We read all of them, and we also uh, share one at the start of each podcast. This one comes in from Danny Man the Dude from the Philippines. Imagine F1 was an exotic plant in the Amazon. You drew some of its sap, reduced it over the fire of a jet engine, decanted the thick elixir into a thimble made from the molten metal of an F1 turbocharged 1.6-litre V6 engine and sniffed its intoxicating vapours, you would get P1 with Matt and Tommy. The most fun and exhilarating F1 podcast in existence. Wow. I I didn't know how how you could make us, Tommy, but this... That's it. That's the ingredients. Oh, sorry, I'm muted. So um, good. That I was you, so good I was you, muted. He um, forgot to put in his review that you have to <laughs> unmute as well. I know. Uh, yeah, that's quite the review. They're getting very creative, these reviews. Some of them I are, some of them are absolute essays. 
yeah, incredible we love scenes. Them. Please keep them coming because we, we love reading every single one of them. Um, so yeah, let's talk about the Hungarian Grand Prix and begin with your most memorable moment, Tommy. My most memorable moment is McLaren and just generally them still being good. Uh, I, of course, uh, we'll get into this a bit later, um, but we can just start roasting me now, if you like, that I said that Landon Norris would be the biggest flop and I thought McLaren wouldn't be very good here. And McLaren themselves even said they didn't think that Silverstone would be the same uh, every, you know, particularly in this race that is such a different track. And if I was a McLaren fan, and McLaren fans should be doing this, you'd be absolutely punching the air with joy because for a completely different racetrack and conditions as well, you know, it was a very hot, um, hot race as well. They were brilliant again. Uh, Lando getting another podium Piastri uh, maybe unfortunate uh, going to his race later but uh, I mean if if you'd have said that two races ago Piastri would be disappointed with a P5 that just shows how far they've come and uh, yeah fair play to McLaren they must be absolutely buzzing yeah we thought Piastri might not score a point this uh, this season and uh, <laughs> now yeah. look at him P5 and we're disappointed of him not getting a podium but yeah, I I completely agree in the sense of it is surprising in some in some ways that McLaren are quick or were quick around Hungary uh, and then Silverstone as well because two completely different sets of characteristics of, of of track but one performance very good the second fastest car Russell said after the race that perhaps Mercedes are joint second quickest and. Of course, Russell uh, having those problems in qualifying, wasn't able to really show off his pace. And Hamilton as well, having some moments in the race where you were wondering, how on earth is he 10 seconds behind the McLaren now? So I wonder if Mercedes dropped the ball slightly in some areas this weekend. Um, but it's definitely a, a straight dogfight, I think, between McLaren and Mercedes at the moment. And um, no other teams, especially the one with which I am wearing right now, uh, they are definitely not in the fight with McLaren and Mercedes at the moment. But... Yeah, great to see. So happy for McLaren fans. It's awesome to see Lando up there and really showing what he can do. And I think I think this kind of experience and this kind of race that we saw really showed where Lando Norris's experience, feel with the car, general talent sort of shone through a little bit more than Piastri this weekend. Not to take anything away from Oscar, but Lando is it's not a veteran of Formula One, but he's certainly got his his teeth sunk into it. And he's able to perform and extract in all conditions. Uh, and it wasn't an easy race by any stretch, this one. And I, th- I don't think there's many drivers that could have taken that McLaren to two second and to beat Perez this afternoon. Yeah, exactly. He was in a fight, not just, it wasn't just a easy second place behind Verstappen um, on his own. You know, he which we'll get into, had the the moment where he passed Piastri in the pits, but then he was battling Hamilton uh, during the race and then he came under pressure from Perez but managed to kind of, you know, keep his cool and just keep setting consistent laps Uh, and Perez couldn't couldn't catch him and then actually ended up almost almost getting caught by Hamilton at the end. So, um, yeah, Norris is just showing that he is... um, got what it takes uh if he's got a good car underneath him and uh just shows uh what what mclaren can do and so it's exciting to think how far they could end up after what looked like 
an appalling start to the season and you think, are McLaren even going to bag many points at all this season? And now we're talking, you know, they could finish third in the constructors perhaps. Yeah, that is the next question. Beautiful segue, Tommy. Jones underscore RF873. Could McLaren catch Ferrari and Aston Martin in the standings? Now, if we take a look at the standings, McLaren currently sit on 87 points in fifth. Then in fourth, we have Ferrari with 167, Aston Martin with 184, Mercedes 223, and then Red Bull 452. Can they catch them? Yes, I think is the short answer. The long answer is as long as they continue with this run of form, which I'm trying not to get too ahead of myself in terms of being excited for McLaren. I certainly am. And I think there is a real opportunity for the McLaren team to stay in the hunt for the rest of the season in terms of good results and podiums and whatnot. But also judging from this season, teams are bringing in upgrades at different times. We're seeing... Mercedes, Ferrari, Aston Martin sort of take that second fastest team spot quite regularly and taking it off each other. So McLaren right now are in that second slot, potentially just ahead of Mercedes, I would say. But that's not a guarantee that it's going to stay that way. McLaren, of course, have just introduced quite big upgrades. That's not to say they then will have another batch of upgrades anytime soon. And perhaps you'll have other teams that will figure out their upgrade package a bit better. So I, I don't think it's an absolute certainty. And the fact that they've had such a washed start to the year, they're going to have to keep this up the whole rest of the season because taking 80 points off Ferrari, it's doable. Um, but Definitely it's, doable. It's not, it's not easy. They're going to have to be picking up big amounts of points each weekend. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. Uh, but we are at the halfway point of the season. So, you know, if they carry on the way they are, it can quite easily turn on it, turn on its head. And what's absolutely wild is I've got the points here that they've scored uh, each race. And this this will go in, I'll mention this a little bit afterwards because it pains me and pains you as a Ferrari fan, but me as a Fernando Alonso fan as well, it hurts because Aston Martin, the hype has just deflated like crazy. Um, in the last two races, uh, Ferrari have scored 13 points, Aston Martin have scored nine points, and McLaren have scored 58 points. Now, if that carries on, they're not going to need 11 races to catch them, are they? So um, it's, a, it's a big, it's a massive step. And I think the thing here is it's come at two very different circuits. I think that's the thing that's most exciting for McLaren fans that... Um, it, it's it's come at that but like you say we never know that teams are introducing upgrades at different times we might we might see a resurgence from um aston martin ferrari, again you ferrari. never know or ferrari ferrari exactly ferrari. but <laughs> it's wild though isn't it because you it, i'm looking at like the points that they've scored and you know, aston martin and alonso look like you've got p3 in the bag and we're talking about um fernando could he catch Perez and even get P2 in the title? And now I'm thinking, is my prediction of him finishing seventh in the title actually going to come true? Because he's going to plummet down the order if they're not even good at Hungary, uh, finishing ninth and tenth. So, yeah, McLaren could do it. Um, it's going to be fascinating, and it really does keep um, 
keep happening this narrative of uh the the fight for p2 is the absolute greatest season ever because <laughs> they're just Certainly swapping is. around all the time yeah it's uh, it's quite unpredictable as to which uh, which of that which of those teams are going to be uh, second fastest when we look at the driver standings alonso is 6 points ahead of hamilton um that's coming down fourth. a lot isn't it george russell uh, is a whopping 43 points further back uh, than Hamilton with 90. Then you've got Carlos on 87, Charles Leclerc on 80, and Lando has now thrust his way up to eighth in the standings with uh, with 60 points. Um, so, yeah, uh, and it's interesting you said about, you know, Ferrari scoring uh, 13 points. Uh, there's one factor I want to throw in there is that I don't care. Never cared. <laughs> don't, don't care. Cool. Don't ever bring up terrible stats like that for Ferrari ever again. Okay, <laughs> I thought I'd wear this shirt. Audio listeners, I'm wearing a Ferrari shirt. I could have easily not worn this, but no. I was like, stay together. Yeah. And then you bring up 13 points in the last two races, and I want to now throw myself up a balcony. Yeah, you've put that, that shirt on to show just how much you don't care about Ferrari. Yeah, Exactly. It doesn't right? hurt you at all. <laughs> Not at uh... all. Next question, at Rayshik underscore. Simple. Would Oscar Piastri be on a podium if he was prioritised in McLaren's strategy? This is an interesting question and one with which um, I put a tweet out straight after uh, the, the incident during, during the race where Lando Norris pitted due to covering off Hamilton, who had pitted the lap before, Obviously, Lando was quite close to, to Piastri, who was about two, two and a half seconds further down the road. And, and Lando naturally then gets an undercut on his teammate. I'm not really sure what happened to Hamilton. Hamilton doesn't really know what happened to no. Hamilton because he was uh, saying over the radio, how are they 10 seconds clear? Um, but with that that one lap undercut, which I can completely understand why McLaren did that to, to cover off Lando and make sure he doesn't get jumped by Hamilton. Uh, but by doing that, Lando then passes uh, Oscar into turn one as Oscar's coming out the pits the next lap. Um, and I think Oscar would have been a bit miffed when he sees his teammate going through. Absolutely. In that moment, right? Because people start quote tweeting me and going, oh, well, why would he be miffed? He finished 30 seconds off. I'm like, no, no. I tweeted that when it happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is a time that I think any racing driver is going to say, well, why have, why have you prioritised the driver behind when at that moment in the race, there was nothing to suggest that Oscar Piastri was not as quick as Lando Norris. It didn't work out obviously over the course of the race and it turned out to be great for Lando. And I think Lando would have passed Oscar quite easily anyway. Um, that being said, I guess in hindsight, when you look at it now, if Lando hadn't jumped Oscar in the pits and had that quite clean run through the whole rest of the race, he probably wouldn't have beaten Perez and perhaps would have missed out to Hamilton as well if it's a few seconds lost following his teammate. So it worked out quite beautifully for Lando. It did. It's one of those hindsight things where actually it was a, a blessing for McLaren because it meant that Lando could get through. We didn't think he was particularly much quicker than Piastri. Now, we're not sure if Piastri has damage. I think he said that he maybe got a bit of damage. We don't know how much. Uh, I wonder how much that was from maybe running over some curbs or because we know how sensitive the floors are now. Uh, he obviously was very um, brave, you could say, on the <laughs> the move with Perez. That I can't believe he yeah, kind he of had held floor it. Floor damage. Yeah, oh, no, that was in, that was that was from FP two. Oh, okay. Perhaps he's carrying that over. I don't know. I don't Carry know. On, sorry. That's that's weird. But yeah, um, it was weird. Piastri's pace. Um, it was actually. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I found the race a little bit 
confusing with the the tires. We don't normally see that where, you know, Piastri seemed really good. Then even on the same tire when he was on the mediums, he was dropping back. And then uh, we saw Perez look like he was going to get Lando easily and then dropped off. And then for some reason looked like Hamilton was going to get Perez. And like you say, like Hamilton, I don't understand where he kind of and he was miffed as well. He came on the radio, didn't he, and said, why am I 10 seconds behind? It Kind of quite a few things happened in that race um, that was quite a difficult race to understand with tyre strategies, even though it was just a two-stop and a lot of people did pit at similar times. But um, yeah, it was a bit of, bit of a strange one, but I do think that in a weird way, I can understand why Piastri would have been annoyed at the time, but in hindsight... McLaren did the right thing because I think, yeah, if they'd have just let Lando stick behind Piastri, maybe he would have lost out to Perez and Hamilton, uh, not even been on the podium at all, never mind P2. So it worked out well for them in the end. So I found uh, some some quotes. Uh, Piastri did pick up some uh, damage from a curb, um, which is, was costing him rear downforce uh, with his floor, which I would then argue is self-inflicted. Like Those curbs are there to not be run on. Um, yeah, yeah. But that's still damage that, that he's carrying. Um, and apparently McLaren didn't expect the fresh rubber to give as much of a pace difference to Lando um, in that one lap to then jump Oscar. So I think it was more just Lando absolutely beasting it and perhaps Oscar struggling on that last lap, uh, which caused the, yeah, caused the swap. It reminds me a little bit of um, not not quite as extreme because that went on, uh, Seb went on to win the race. But if you remember throwing it back a bit to Singapore 2019 when they pit Vettel first and he was so quick on that outlap that he jumped Leclerc. Sorry to give more pain, Leclerc. Pain I thought I told you to not bring up <laughs> but, Ferrari and most importantly, know, Charles sorry. Leclerc troubles but it but it is but that is just the first thing that it reminded me of where they ferrari didn't anticipate how quick someone would be on the outlap and then vettel actually got a better strategy even though it was behind and it, that's just the first thing that came into my mind so um yeah there we go <laughs> thank you for bringing that up tommy really sorry. appreciate it um but back to uh the whole question around oscar piastri and would have been on the podium no his no his pace no. was unbelievably washed at the end of the race um as we say so, some of it and whether that was damage we, we've damage. seen these i think oscar himself was quite honest in the interview and was saying that perhaps he just didn't keep the the tires in as good a shape as lando's and so on and so forth and i think oscar is a very transparent driver so it's great to hear like his insight as well um but no there was no way if oscar was prioritized and given if anything he was he would have been given a, an undercut which would have kept him the position for that particular moment but then his tires would have been one lap more degraded than they had been previously so exactly there was no way for a podium for oscar which was a shame because it did feel like again oh surely he's gonna do it but his his pace was 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 really bad in that last stint if we're being honest yeah i wonder if the the nature of what how hot it was as well like made tire wear a bit worse than he thought and he wasn't handling it as well his time will come i mean He'd have absolutely taken a P5 two races ago, mm. so uh, can't can't complain too much. McLaren definitely on the up. Absolutely. Right, let's move on to my most memorable moment. Why did I choose this? <laughs> yeah, you didn't want to talk uh, about it. It's to do with Ferrari and another race of... I don't know how I really describe it, because it's not like gut-wrenching knife through the heart pain because we're just not in the fight for the win anyway it's just more like 
how are we ever going to become a team that is feared and that is genuinely able and capable to win championships when they can't in the, I wouldn't say the least amount of pressure, but definitely not the most amount of pressure, execute to the way in which other teams do. You've got the team radio. What's going on there? Charles Leclerc's asking about the strategy and so on and so forth. And then they're sort of communicating back, saying that they'll tell him, they're checking, they'll let him know at the end. And he's like, what do you mean at the end? I mean, I need to know that like, sort of thing. And and that was one of the, I said this in funniest tweets, but also it's something to reiterate is it, it genuinely felt like there was not just a discussion, but there was emotion behind it, frustration and not, I'm not going to go as far as saying animosity, but it was like you could hear it in Charles' voice and also in Xavi's voice as well. There was there was there was a bit there that was not absolutely 100% professional. Um, so I found that quite intriguing. I wonder if there is some arguments, some some upset behind the scenes because oh, it's not going well. They've gone from last year winning races, potentially cha- you know mounting a championship challenge, to now being the fourth. Fastest could, car. Yeah, could be fifth is, in the championship by the end of it if it carries which on. Which is really, really bad. It's really bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. I wouldn't go as far to say it's like toxic, but it does feel like it could do by the end of the year. Like it, it, they're showing frustration with each other. Um, the communication has always been really poor uh, with Ferrari and it just seems to be getting worse. They don't seem to trust each other like a... GP and Verstappen where they know exactly what to do um we said it in the last race you know even Verstappen make sorry in Austria Verstappen making a quite a brave call to pit they they back him they back the decisions but it just seems they just seem so disconnected between driver and team at the moment where they're they're not communicating with each other science science is like we we kind of wanted them to do this, but he shouldn't have to do it. Like science is just picking his own strategy and being like, oh, I'll do this then or whatever. And they're like, okay, it's it's not it's not a discussion. It's just Good they call. just seem to yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's either we're doing this and they, they don't seem to like have this back and forth communication. And um I'm also like slightly concerned that Leclerc and Science uh, is getting a little bit a bit of beef like that could boil over at some point because they're they're now at the point where science has caught up um and performing well and got a bit more pace and they do seem to be on the same track a lot of the time you know we saw it where science was on soft tires couldn't, couldn't get through and i just feel like we've we've seen it a little bit more sort of silverstone when they were they were I think they ignored the gentleman's agreement and they were like, oh, brilliant. Thanks a lot, Carlos, or whatever. It, it is like boiling over that the team just doesn't seem um, like a, a happy team at all, really. It's not it's not going well at all. And the fact that this was happening when they were winning, at least you knew that they were getting podiums and it, you know, they could still get a good result. Whereas now they're not they're not even getting that. They're just finishing kind of middle of the points yeah uh which is fantastic um it's funny mm. you say about the communication something that i always notice that you know, i want to discuss with you is 
I don't feel like any other team radio communication, obviously we don't get the full unfiltered version of everybody's chats with everyone because it's, you know, it's selected, it's picked for, for broadcast, but it always feels like Ferrari are checking. They're always checking. Whereas like, obviously other teams do investigate and say, we'll come back to you, Max, whatever. But like, I always feel as though other teams are much more switched on to what will happen if X, Y, Z happens, we will do this. But it always just seems like there is a delay with Ferrari, whether it's swapping the cars, whether it's executing a particular strategy. It just feels slightly sluggish. Do you wonder, like this, I'm just throwing this into the atmosphere. So, and, you know, don't take what you shouldn't take what I say as, <laughs> as a, a thing. Because oh, I'm I literally, don't. I'm li- good. And people shouldn't either, because I'm literally just a fan speculating. But I do wonder if. Because Ferrari, you know, a lot of teams are based in the UK. Um, Ferrari, uh, obviously, um, a lot of their their culture is very Italian. They bring you know Italian personnel in through like engineering programs and things. So they're they're I imagine they're they're always speaking in Italian. And then on the broadcast, I imagine this is to do with the broadcast. They have to speak in English because it gets broadcast on the airwaves. And I wonder if that language is uh, maybe a bit of an issue. I don't know. Like they, they all obviously speak English, but I wonder if they probably all speak Italian to each other all the time. And then when they're actually in a race, they have to kind of communicate in English and maybe things get mistranslated or, or something. I don't know. Like I'm just creating a theory here, but it, it just doesn't seem like they have the communication of, of other teams. And I do wonder, like, we kind of, I kind of want to know why, because this this doesn't feel like the team that, dominated you know with Michael Schumacher and were like completely fearless and like like you said at the start a team that like Red Bull are now that you just think they're invincible they're they're the absolute top of their game they're the best Ferrari number one like that feels so so far off. Rosberg said at the start just before the race began that he thinks Ferrari should start poaching people just like Aston Martin did for the Red Bull had uh, an amethyst yeah, and so on and so forth, because he just feels as though they need those key personnel from other teams in order to build something new and, and something with well, a They tried foundation. to get Newey, apparently, didn't they, in Horner, and they couldn't, which is <laughs> wild. That's that's mad, but also I can see why, why not. <laughs> so. I mean, I'd love to see an alternate universe where that happened, because the theory is, isn't it, that, that we've been saying, like, oh, what if you had... Christian Horner and Max in there would that like you know yeah, sort something change. out would yeah. it would it we we won't know until uh, it happens but um clearly they whatever they're trying to do it's not it's not working because they're they're not going over there so let's get into some questions shall we mm. at Lizzie Cumming why did Ferrari not swap signs and Leclerc at the beginning of the race I felt the same thing uh, during it before seeing just how aggressively the softs dropped off. I thought, why not? Because Sainz was all over the back of, of Leclerc. I don't think Ferrari probably envisioned Sainz to be right behind Leclerc almost immediately. However, that being said, they can make a decision and then get on the blower and say, Child, just let Carlos through. <laughs> they because can't, though. That's the problem. <laughs> they can't. No, make no, no. And they have this, yeah, this delay yeah. what, for whatever reason, uh, whether it's internal processes or whatever. Um, but for me, for, for a, a fan, a viewer, I look at that and I go, okay, 
Carlos is quite clearly quicker at the start of this race. Let him go. Like, just make the decision. Right, Carlos is quicker. Let him go on the next straight. Calls on softs. You'll, you'll get him back later. And then at least Carlos can then potentially attack the drivers ahead. In this window of the softs being good, that in that then in theory could potentially help Charles in the long run. Because if Carlos starts battling cars ahead, he's not losing any time because the other option is him behind Charles, not making the most of the soft tyres. Instead, he's in front. Charles lost half a second by letting Carlos through on a straight. Carlos then uses the soft tyres to what they were kind of meant to do. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. But it just felt like it wasn't the end of the world. They would have still finished where they finished probably. But I also felt as though in that moment, why are they not making the decision to just see? Yeah, because they can they can be brave now because, uh, you know, in a weird way, the fact that when they made those decisions that were wrong, it was in such extreme pressure because they were they did have a winning car. Like they're not they're not challenging for the championship now or race win. So why not try something? different and make bold calls to to at least do it because the fact that behind uh, the two Ferraris at that point was Fernando Alonso who was painfully slow and causing a train to the point where the three drivers behind him ended up stopping just to get <laughs> get out the way of like his DRS train basically so um, yeah I, I don't understand why they didn't at least just try it let Carlos through um let him make the most of those soft tires and then they can just swap them afterwards if they absolutely need to. But um, this is Ferrari. They don't make the the tough calls and they're not assertive enough. Like we say that every single week, every single race. Yeah, we are a uh, broken record. It's funny. Stroll, Bottas and Sonoda pitted on lap nine uh, to get out of the Alonso train that was uh, that was forming. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? I know that I am constantly looking for F1 news, stalking Daniel Ricciardo's Twitter, looking for any clues that Ferrari's car is going to be better this season. We need all the help we can get. But if you're struggling to find that special something to spend your time on or have anxieties about not spending your time wisely, then therapy can be a great way to clarify what matters most to you. You can start with BetterHelp, the therapy service that prioritizes your time. You can book sessions around your schedule and with open conversations with your chosen therapist, you can decide how long or short you need your sessions to be. Finding what values are closest to you by starting on your own time and your own terms. 
Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash p1pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash p1pod. Next question, at Hector4Smash. What on earth was Joe doing at the beginning? Well, it seemed as though he hit some kind of anti-stall, made some sort of mistake with his car, it seems. Um, I don't know if there was a mechanical issue. I, I Probably not, but I haven't seen anything, haven't read anything about that. Uh, and then, of course, after that, misses, misses his breaking point. Probably absolutely gutted to see all these cars flying past. Lack of concentration nudges Daniel Ricciardo, but that's all that was needed because Daniel Ricciardo was so unbelievably close to the Alpines anyway. A tiny nudge, uh, and that caused another another bowling incident, which I'm not sure what you know. Boundary <laughs> Bottas really has rubbed off on on Zhou Guanyu in good and bad ways. It seems. Yeah, we did mention that that Bottas was there to do some bowling in that position, but Joe, yeah, gutting for him because the best qualifying of his career, really good. And then, if anything, his slow start actually compromised Bottas because Bottas had to go round him so slowly, so he lost a load of positions. So. The Alfa Romeos from us talking in the qualifying podcast about this is their opportunity to get a big chunk of points. They were already, it was game over from lap one for both of them. Uh, so yeah, absolutely getting big, big mistake uh, at turn one, but then also the start, which I think he's had problems with before. I feel like he had problems last year uh, with some of the starts and stuff. So yeah, getting for, for Alfa Romeo when they needed a big chunk of points and they didn't get any yeah, fifth and seventh starting on the grid, uh, and they were both out of the points quite significantly, which is which is gutting for them. Uh, you know, you just saw how how much it meant to Zhou Guanyu. He was so happy to be up there, P five. You know, so many memes about like, oh, what is this place, sort of thing. And yeah. uh, and unfortunately, it all it all went the wrong way uh, for him. So perhaps a bit nervous as well. You know, let's let's throw that in there. It might well just have been nerves being up so far up the grid. Who knows? But either way, it is definitely a race weekend to forget for him, which is such a shame considering how it all uh, started to look in, in qualifying. Uh, next question, Emma underscore Ricardo three. Do you think Daniel Ricardo? no surprise Emma Ricardo three is asking about Daniel Ricardo. do you think Daniel Ricardo would have got some solid points today if it wasn't for the lap one incident? And do you think he has shown that the right decision has been made to put him in that seat? In brackets, I definitely do. Laughing emoji, smiling emoji. You go first. Uh, no to the first question, yes to the second. <laughs> um, basically, uh, yes, I think he's shown that it's the right decision to put an experienced driver in there. The fact that he's beaten Sonoda in his first race um, is impressive, uh, despite you know getting involved in that, that turn one thing. He did a crazy uh, strategy as well, really long on the medium tyres. Um, 40 laps. Yeah. From lap it 29. And it just shows, of course, he got lapped. Yeah, that's, that's insane. It is. I, and I can't see a longer stint of twenty-eight no, laps on the mediums. Was. I don't no, think no, no, there of, was. of twenty-eight laps. So he did twelve more laps than anyone else around him on the mediums. It's crazy. Um, but Goat. Uh, I guess yeah, really, really good performance. Uh, definitely justified AlphaTauri's decision. Uh, but not to be a party pooper, but the points absolutely not because um, unfortunately. Uh, not for the ones leading, that 
the whole top four is now a top five because of McLaren. So <laughs> this just backs up our theory even more that points need to go down to 15th because if it carries on, no one's ever getting a point again because it's just going to be two Red Bulls, two McLarens, two Mercedes, two Ferraris and two Aston Martins. So how is anyone else meant to score a point? Um, so yeah, uh, he's, never, he's not getting a point. Um, but that being said, uh, I do... The, the way he's gone in that race, I do think that we will see him get, you know, a point this year. Like, I think he will. He'll have that one race where I think his experience will show. And when some of the top teams do drop out of that, that point, I could see Daniel Ricciardo picking up the pieces and, and getting a point. I think he did a really solid, good job, considering that it was very last minute, everything. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it was, you know, surprisingly good. <laughs> I won't spoil anything. We'll get into it later. Um, I think he would have finished 11th because there was a bit of a chasm between Stroll and then Albon who finished 11th. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and Ricardo was on the back of, of those two reasonably, within a few seconds anyway. Um, so yeah, I think he wouldn't have scored any points, unfortunately, but he would have been a solid P11, which again, is a is a great result in an Alpha Tauri these days. Sonoda had a, a difficult race, difficult pit stop. Uh, he was one of the drivers to pit so early off the soft tyres. The soft tyres just did not work uh, in race trim. It was far too hot for that. They degraded like no tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, Sonoda, a poor race, I think it has to be said. I don't think I expected him to be that far down. Um, potentially reasonably floppy, if anything. But, um, yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> You're disgusting. Sorry, I'm, laying, I'm laying the foundations. Um <laughs> But yes, I think it is the right decision for Daniel Ricciardo to be back in the seat. I'm glad that he's proving people. I love how finishing 13th, I still think he's proving people wrong that are being like, oh, he shouldn't be back in. that Alpha Tauri is, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, next question. Steve353 comes in with, why is the gap in qualifying so narrow, but the gap in the race seemingly getting larger? Red well, Bulls. over one lap, the pace is good. Uh, I think that's it's fair to say. Red Bull aren't clear when it comes to low fuel absolutely sending it in qualifying but when you come to the race the red bull is so good on its tires that i mean verstappen was chilling out there on that hard tire stint especially he didn't pit till lap 51 i think it was um he's he, you can just see right in those first few laps it's a second and a half it's two seconds to piastri oh, okay it's looking up, like stagnating to that all right, now it's two and a half, then it's three, then it's three. So as all the other teams seem to start degrading, start overheating, Verstappen, Red Bull, they just they just don't lose the same pace at all. The race pace is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, without sounding like our um, F1 manager video, if you've watched that, where we spoke to James Vowles and he told us like all this stuff, but he did mention that you kind of have to when you go for a strategy, you can do the qualifying really well or race. Sometimes you can like sacrifice one or the other. And in my opinion, the Red Bull is so good that they can actually sacrifice quite a lot of qualifying pace. And Max knows that he could still either get pole or be in that front row anyway uh, and makes him so dominant in the race because he sets up for the race He's still good in qualifying because the car is so good. Maybe that's the thing that's hurting Perez as well, that, that they set up for the race. So it's always this Perez comeback drive after um, 
him starting low down. But uh, I think they do set up for the race and that's why Verstappen just walks the race and makes it look so easy and, and dominates so much. Um, and I think Verstappen uh, anyway, um, I don't think he, I'm not saying he's a bad qualifier. I don't think that is uh, true at all. But I think Max Verstappen, very similar to Michael Schumacher, is one of those people that he is so good in the race and qualifying he's good at, but it's not his like absolute be-all speciality. Um, and I think that shows with before the number of wins he ended up with before he even got many poles because he's just really good in the race. Um, and I think that's just the nature of uh, Max Verstappen, I think, that is just unbelievable in the race. And that's probably why qualifying has been absolutely banging this year and the races have been a bit poo. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's putting it lightly. I can see the headlines tomorrow. Bellingham says Verstappen is washed in qualifying. I know. How dare I? Um, yes, so it's yeah mainly down to the Red Bull race car. You, you always hear Max saying, "Yeah, you know it was good, good lap, whatever." But you know, race pace that's you know where it's looking good. You know, that's where it's looking strong. <laughs> yeah, and everyone else is like, Christ. "Oh, goody!" <laughs> yeah, oh, fantastic. Um, so yeah, it just they've got it right. It doesn't matter if Verstappen starts tenth; he'd still win the race um, today. So um, they know that as well. But thankfully for them, they still have a car that's good enough to get pole, even if it is set up for the race. Uh, next question, at McStudley. Was everyone so butthurt in the past when other drivers won seven or more races in a row? Yes. However, <laughs> things have changed slightly because we've had a massive influx of fans that have come from Drive to Survive especially. And not only that, but we had 2021, which as much as that year was just the greatest thing for anyone to ever experience as a Formula One fan. It also was a curse for the rest of the years and fans <laughs> expecting yeah. that it happens every single year. And even with us, even as us, you know, me and you, Tommy, veteran F1 fans, we get hope. We're like... And we've said it's made it worse, I think, because maybe, of Maybe, yeah. yeah. And then we're like, maybe, maybe F1 sh isn't like this anymore. May Maybe we do get banging title deciders every single year. It's a natural thing for our brains to think. But unfortunately, Formula One has periods of dominance. But I am absolutely sick of seeing people saying, where was this energy when Hamilton was dominating? You know, where, you know when we, were you ever saying it was boring then? Yes. Yes, we were. Like, it's <laughs> unbelievably, we want close racing. We want loads of drivers to be involved. Tommy, you're a Verstappen fan. And yet you cheered when Hamilton got pole. <laughs> yeah, like, no. You just want to see your favourite driver actually race other drivers and eventually win. That's the dream for everyone. If you want your driver to win by a minute every single race weekend, fair enough. That's your choice. But it's not the most fun for everyone to watch. No, exactly. 2021, uh, you know, it was stressful AF, but that was a much more thrilling title battle watching max win the title that way than 2023 uh 2023 where obviously he's just like absolute walking it um it's quite funny actually because this question mentions drivers that have won seven or more races in a row to me it's absolutely wild that hamilton never actually achieved that the most he ever got in a row is five which is quite crazy that uh, is in, mad, isn't in it? that era of dominance um the driver that did do that was Nico Rosberg, who got seven in a row 
Um, and that is wild in itself. And I think this also comes on to another, another thing that when Rosberg got those seven in a row, you always felt like, well, it's a battle with Hamilton. Whereas the, I think the problem is now is that Max is dominating. This dominance is more like Michael Schumacher, uh, who got seven in a row in 2004. Sebastian Vettel got nine in a row in 2013, which is crazy. Um, but what what is funny is, uh, and I think that this kind of goes on to what I said before, that that it's not Max's fault, but I think his dominance, because he is so good in the races, it, it is more crushingly dominant i think as well than than other drives i mean i've got some stats here that's uh, the most consecutive wins and michael schumacher uh in 2004 feels like it was the most dominant thing ever uh the he won obviously seven in a row in 2004 and the most consecutive laps led during that run was 86 uh, max verstappen has led 248 in a row um, which just shows that I think he he does just have that like absolute annihilation dominance. Um, but that being said, and this this goes kind of what what T said when we had that sprint race in Austria. Look, look at look at our reaction now to this race, and then look at our reaction to the Austria sprint race. Max Verstappen won both of them by. 20 to 30 seconds and the difference of how much we're buzzing i think the problem is that we could accept that verstappen it would be annoying and it is annoying because even for me like i want to see him race other people but if the other racing was good we would forget about it a little bit more but i think the season has just been a bit lackluster with some of the racing in the midfield as well i mean like some of the gaps and stuff um, and the racing we were promised at the start of 2022, I know it's not like a broken record because you say it a lot, but it's just not delivered uh, as we thought we thought it would, um, which it is a deliver, real shame. And then the teams ruined it. And then, That's... yeah, they raised the right height and then Red Bull have never looked back since. And they've now won 12 in a row, which breaks McLaren's record uh, from the 80s, which a lot of people thought would never be broken. And isn't it in a weird way kind of hilariously ironic that formula one now have so many regulations they do so much to try and make it close and we're actually probably going to have the most dominant season in the history of the sport more dominant stay tuned to the matt p1 (laughs) channel it's mad though isn't it that that they're going to be more dominant than when the regulations were kind of like build a car and it's like three pages long and uh, there wasn't really much to it. And now they do all this stuff to make it really close and exciting. Uh, and Verstappen's on an absolute mad one. Uh, just complete, like, crushing dominance. Like you say, I don't know when he could en- end up wrapping the title up, but he doesn't even need to win another race now. No, he doesn't. Um, and I reckon six races to go, it's going to be done and dusted, if not even potentially earlier. Like, this is absolutely ridiculous to say out loud. Um, but look, it's the way in which we are right now. And let's just think when we do get a race where it's exciting for the victory, it's going to hit like crack. And then everyone is going to be buzzing because this is what happens. We haven't had a banger in a long time. 
but those bangers are unbelievable when they do come. And this is the reason for it. <laughs> the periods of lull, dull, allow for I some think, races to be unbelievable. Yeah, and I think that's why we've been so excited in, say, like yesterday's qualifying session or uh, the Monaco qualifying session because we've just craved excitement. And then when it comes, it's like, oh, my Water. God, this is absolutely crazy. Um, so but yeah, it's, I know we are. Uh, and just we to cover one last thing, um, and I'm sick of saying it, so I'll say it one more time. Go on. Just because we want good racing does not mean we hate Max Verstappen or we're trying to, like, discredit him in any way. Like, he is becoming one of the greatest of all time, and it's scary to think, like, he could... It's not out of the question that he could catch Hamilton like the way he's going at the moment, which is insane. We th- thought that could never be broken, but he's going to have so many race wins. He's cementing his legacy and showing that he's one of the best that's ever done it. Doesn't doesn't mean we can't hope that he actually races people and mm. you know, has a bit of competition. Even me, if it was Charles Leclerc, I'd take a year of dominance, maybe two cash in. <laughs> But after that, when you get into Tom Bellingham levels, you're getting three on the bounce. It's so easy. You, you do. You want to see your favourite driver race other drivers, especially like you know, the likes of Hamilton and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, very, very good stuff. And also as well, you are a Max fan and you are allowed to cheer for other drivers, even if you are a Max. Yeah, yeah for, for audio listeners, I'm waving my orange Max flag. flag. Um, right, let's move on, shall we, yes. <laughs> to our biggest winner. My biggest winner is McLaren. It's <laughs> <I> mean, same. <laughs> this is this is more of a win than Silverstone uh, for the reasons that we've said. Different track, still quick. Norris proving why he is one of the most uh, exciting young talents that's joined the sport in 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 recent times. And, uh, yeah, the Norris haters have really quietened down now, which is great to see, uh, because they were chatting some serious breeze on social media. Yeah, it's got to be McLaren, hasn't it? Um, who else can it be? They they were really good and, yeah, showed that it's not just a flash in the pan. Exactly. Now we go to Biggest Loser, Alpine. <laughs> Yeah. How could it be anyone other than Alpine where they literally didn't make it past the first corner without damage? Both of them. Yeah, Alpine, uh, If just for the sake of being different, I'll say Alfa Romeo because they ended up with Mm. no points after starting fifth and seventh. And, you know, that was their chance that they are ninth in the Constructors title. They're on nine points. Haas are above them on 11. Williams on 11. That was their chance to you know, oh, yeah, leapfrog up to seventh quite easily. And they've they've basically missed a huge opportunity. And like we've said so many times, there's no points available because the top teams just dominate it. So they've they've missed out big time. I think they are the biggest losers for me. I guess though, right, if we're actually going to break this down, would they have beaten Aston Martin, Ferrari, Mercedes, McLaren or Red Bull? Uh, I reckon Bottas and Joe might have beaten Stroll. So yeah, maybe one point. Which is important. Still, it's still big. Down, down the yeah, bottom. They'd, they'd yeah, now be sure. one point behind us. Yeah, but yeah, every yeah. point is really going to count. Stroll was up for grabs, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah. How, <laughs> I mean, how Stroll has finished 10th uh, in that race is quite wild, really. Absolutely. Well done, Lance. Good job. 
Um, so yeah, that is uh, our biggest loser. We now go back to our predictions that we made on Wednesday, uh, just to see how we did. And Tommy will have a mixture of smug, but then also <laughs> yeah. horrendous at the same yeah. time. Uh, looks on his face. First one was biggest good surprise. I went for Daniel Ricardo. Absolutely one smackaroony big point. Get in the locker. Lovely. Yeah, you can have it. Thank you. Uh, I went for Esteban Ocon, which was terrible. Oh, it was surprising. I, it was surprising how beep they were. Um, yeah, not not only the the crash, but they were just slow. Like they were out in Q two. I was gassing them up like they'd do what they did in Monaco, and they just were terrible. So not good. Not good at all. We now go to biggest flop. I went for Yuki Sonoda, which technically. He got beaten by his teammate and who's just come back. So I'm taking that as well. Thank you very much. Yeah, you can have it. Uh, Thank you. This is awful from me again. <laughs> Biggest slot, Norris, who finished second. And the funny thing is that when Piastri was ahead, I was ready to to argue that like, oh, well, Norris never gets beaten by his teammate and uh, Piastri's beaten him. But then, alas, uh, jumped him in the pits and flew away. So yeah, poor. Um, it, it's one of those ones where... I'm happy I was wrong because McLaren have done a good job and shown that, like we said, it's not just a, a one-off. Absolutely. Uh, now go to pole position. Mm. I went for Verstappen. That was 3,000 off. So what are we saying? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, it's funny that you finally predicted him and... Yeah, weird that you finally predicted him pole and he didn't get it and then I finally I predicted some someone cash. else and they got it. I literally tried to just cash in on some points, and it didn't happen. It was supposed to be the easiest point of my life, it and it was. didn't happen. Tommy? I know, I get the two-pointer. Which is Hamilton. disgusting, but it's a great, that is, is. a great prediction. Well, I think that means six in a row as well, because I went for the Verstappen, then changed it. So I'm on a, I'm on a roll. You need to start so, getting bets on, mate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Leggy Sarge is going to be my next pole position prediction. Let's get Ooh, the streak going. Okay. I need to put my crazy prediction in again. Then. Uh, <laughs> Let's go to our top three then. Uh, in third place, I went for Fernando Alonso, which was incorrect. Uh, third place, Perez, which was correct. Well done. Second place, I went for Hamilton. Incorrect. Same, incorrect. And finally, P1, we both went for Max Verstappen. Verstappen. So we'll take a point for that one. Thank you We got you the banker much. point there. I'm glad I got one easy point uh, this weekend. Uh, we then go to our crazy prediction. I went for Logan out qualifies Alex. That did not happen. Wasn't even close. Let's forget about that and move on. <laughs> and uh, Perez did it. He made Q3. Still had a terrible qualifying get. Just thought, you know what, I Tommy? wish you'd you said like this. top five. Or I know, imagine if I'd really wish you'd been, more, been less like, generic. No, I know the rules now after my Alonso prediction that I've got to be as <laughs> vague as possible. <laughs> Nice. Well done. That's another point for you, Tommy. Mm. Congratulations. Uh, let's go to the fans' crazy predictions. Uh, so, Willow Dozinho, Oscar Piastri gets a podium. Well, we wrote that oh. off immediately, and that was looking like it was possible during yeah. the race. So, good shout, but still zero points. Uh, Mega Matt, Danny Rick outqualifies Checo. That did not happen. And then 467887A, actual fight for the lead. We're not going to class down towards turn one on lap one. It was going to be lap three. 
I think that was with the DRS. Yeah, but Nico Rosberg took the selfie in front of Hamilton's garage and cursed why, why him Why would Rosberg do that? He knew what he was doing. The jinx is unbelievable. Oh, yeah, he knew. He's more jinxy than I am, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's safe to say. Uh, and that is it. Thank you so much, everybody, for, for watching and listening to the uh, P1 pod. Uh, we'll be back with F1 to 10 driver ratings as a podcast. So look forward to that on audio tomorrow. And then also we have uh, the video going out on Tuesday. And of course, it's race week again. Belgian Grand Prix. We're back. Woo. Forget the boring race of Hungary. We're back to Spa, which absolutely owes us one. Does it not, Tommy, with your final thoughts? It does. Uh, and it's a sprint weekend as well. So that's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Oh, yeah. and I forgot about that. After my final thought, actually, then I've just realized something and I heard this stat before is that um, Charles Leclerc's best performances have been on a sprint weekend where he's actually made the podium during the weekend. So I thought I'll, I'll be nice to you at the end after all the kind of pain that I've given you and end on a, a high of hope. Hope uh, for it, you. Is it nice, though? Is it nice putting my hopes up to get crushed <laughs> during Spa? We'll see. But uh, thank you, as always, Tommy, for your support and your love uh, throughout this P1 life. And thank you, everybody, for watching and listening, as always. Uh, we'll see you for more content over the course of the next week. And then we're into summer break. And, of course, we'll still be entertaining you one way or another. We'll see you very soon. Bye. Bye. P1 is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work.